This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is Web3 Breakdowns. Web3 Breakdowns is a series of conversations exploring innovation in the decentralized internet. Each episode, we will focus on a different topic. We will cover NFT projects, crypto assets, blockchain-based protocols, and businesses being built with Web3 architecture. We will talk to founders, artists, investors, and influencers to understand this emerging ecosystem. Come join us down the rabbit hole. To find more episodes, transcripts, and a library of content to continue your learning, visit joincolossus.com. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions. Hosts and podcast guests may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. This is Eric Golden, and my guest today is Nick Newman, the CEO of CASA. CASA offers crypto users a secure and straightforward way to self-custody their assets. And today, we dive deep into this critical topic. We talk about the problems of self-custody, CASA's solution, the recent addition of Ethereum to their platform, and the trade-offs between security and usability. You can learn more about CASA through the link in the show notes, which includes a special offer for Web3 Breakdowns listeners. Please enjoy my conversation with Nick Newman. Nick, thank you for joining me today. We're going to talk about security, which is one of these topics that comes up. And I feel like it's something that a lot of people whisper about, mostly because it happens after something bad's happened. So a friend of mine yeah. got hacked and it's just the worst phone call. And the minute you hear about a friend or you see it on Twitter, you're like, oh God, did I click the wrong link? Did I do the wrong thing? So maybe just high level, why don't you give me the thumbnail sketch of CASA, vision behind the company, and then we'll dive into Ethereum, Bitcoin, and all the different security options. Thanks for having me, first of all, Eric. People do whisper about their security because they're always afraid. What happens if I tell somebody and then that comes back to bite me and I end up having my assets stolen somehow? And the thing about security is that good security is so good that it doesn't matter whether you talk about it or not. Because as long as you aren't giving every single little detail, people still can't get your assets. And so that's really what we've built at Casa. And it's a way for people who have a large amount of Bitcoin or Ethereum to store their assets safely and simply and without having to worry about whether they're doing it right. And I think this is super important, especially over the last couple of years, we've seen over and over again how custodians have been blowing up. In 2022, we had eight custodians go bust or something like that. Prime Trust just came out and filed bankruptcy because they lost keys to $40 million of customers' funds. People don't do a good job as custodians in our industry. And that extends to the legacy financial system too. Just earlier this year, we had banks going out of business and everybody's trying to figure out what bank can I go to that isn't going to get hit with this systemic hot ball of mess. And so that's really what CASA is built for. 
and what self-custody is built for in the first place. Self-custody is there to let people secure their money better than anybody else would because it's their money and they care about it the most. So what's the problem with self-custody historically? Why do people whisper about this? It's because the solutions that are out there aren't good enough for people to use and still sleep soundly at night. It feels confusing. They're using these hardware wallets that sometimes work well, sometimes are a little bit confusing. They have a seed phrase that they got to figure out what they want to do with this thing to make sure nobody forgets it or that make sure they don't forget it, make sure they don't lose it and that nobody else can find it. All of these things are fine for the OG crypto people who have been around forever or super technical, not as fine for everybody else in the world trying to get used to this stuff. And so that's where Casa comes in. We make it really simple and rock solid from a security perspective for people to store a large amount of Bitcoin and Ether. When you talk about that, you got the OG crypto people who have been at this for a long time or running their own nodes or have their very complex security that they don't talk about or they don't share because it's the safest way possible or in their mind, it's the safest way. Always the safest way. Even recently, one of the Bitcoin core developers had something that he'd set up a long time ago that was super fancy and all of that. He didn't touch it for a long time and then he got hacked because he didn't check up on his security setup because it was too complicated. So even people who are super technical can overestimate their capabilities when it's not your job to think about security all the time, then it's up top of mind for you. Sorry to interrupt, but that's just a quick point of even the people that think they have this rock solid when they're not thinking about it all the time, it can bite them. Yeah, that's a great point. And I guess, so we have the OGs, some who have good security and even them, they can get tricked. On the total other end of the spectrum, we have people that are just They bought some crypto, they went on an exchange, they leave it there, they don't think much of it. But inevitably, as I've seen happen time and time again, is people move up the food chain and then there's the middle. And I feel like that's where a lot of people are, where they were on exchange, they start to move money off, they start buying and selling, maybe they have more money, maybe they get a hard wallet, but now it's all very overwhelming. So for that middle group, can you educate people on what is a key? What does it mean to have security or to have ownership or multi-key situations? Most of the time when people are taking self-custody of their crypto, it is going to a single key wallet. What does that mean? A private key is the key to actually moving your funds. And I won't go into all the technical details about how private keys work and all that, but it's basically like a password and it's unique and nobody can guess it. So it's unique. It's unguessable. And it's also unforgeable, meaning nobody can fake that they have your key without actually having your key. Most wallets have one private key that secures your assets. And that key is literally the key to the kingdom. If somebody gets a hold of that key, is able to steal it from you, they can take all of your funds. Or if you lose that key, you've lost all of your funds. It's just like losing a $100 bill on the street, walking down the streets of New York. If you don't know exactly where you lost that $100 bill, you're probably not getting it back. And a private key is even harder to find than a $100 bill. Most wallets only have one of these, and that's a single point of failure, which is a huge problem when you're securing large amounts of assets. And so what Casas built is a system that makes it easy to use multiple keys to protect one pool of funds. This means instead of losing a key, meaning you've lost all your money, 
as long as you have your other keys, you still have access to your funds and you can replace that lost key and then still access your money in its simplest form. What this allows us to do is to actually be humans with our crypto because everybody, unfortunately, is a human and humans make mistakes. And so one mistake shouldn't wreck you in all of your assets. And so that's what CASA is. We make it really easy to eliminate those single points of failure and to use private keys as software and hardware that can protect your funds and give you that extra security that you don't get when you're trusting it to some black box institution like FTX. Okay, so I have my key that when I open up the wallet, I have that one private key. Where are the other multiple keys? Yeah, so let's take our really basic setup. You've got three total keys. The first key is a key on your phone. The second key is on a hardware wallet, like a ledger or a Trezor. And the third key is actually held by Casa. And that key held by Casa is just in case you ever lose one of your keys, we can help you with the key that you know we're going to have for you. But we can't actually move funds by ourselves because you need two of these three keys to spend funds. So out of the three keys, you need to approve every transaction with two. It means if you lose one of your keys, you haven't lost all your money. And CASA can help with our key to actually help you move your funds. So that's the basic tier, which we call three key vaults. Then you move up to the super high security level, which are the five key vaults. And this is five total keys with three needed to actually spend funds. One key is on your phone, Three keys are on hardware wallets like ledgers and treasures, and then one key is held by Casa again. At this level, you can actually lose two keys at the same time and still have access to your money. And so this is for people storing larger amounts of money that just gives you extra resilience basically with your setup overall. Yeah, it sounds a lot better than the things I heard about people having safety deposit boxes in different countries and seed phrases split into yeah. pieces to ever get access to it. We call it the treasure map. A lot of people who have been around for a while are like, okay, well, if I put a little bit of my Bitcoin on this ledger and I bury it in my backyard, and then I've got some of my Ether on this Trezor and it's in a safety deposit box, and then I've got a little bit with my family on another hardware wallet. If I lose one, I lose some of my money. It becomes this thing where you set it and you hope you never have to touch it again for a long time at least, because you're worried about, if I mess with this thing, I don't even know if it's still gonna be there. We're trying to get away from the treasure map and to something that's a really simple standard way of securing your assets that is a lot more comfortable for people. They aren't trying to do their own thing and make it up as they go. They're trusting a expert to help them with this. But the thing is, you're only trusting us so far. You're not trusting us to hold the assets for you. You're the one who ultimately has control over the assets. And so that's where we think there's this fine line of trust that's important in our industry. A lot of people say, don't trust Verify. And don't trust Verify is great. But a lot of people in that middle section just want somebody to trust that knows what they're doing and that can tell them the best way to do it. And so that, again, comes back to how we've really built our model as one that is super safe and consultative for people. Yeah, you mentioned that the iPhone is one of the keys. And one of the more recent hackings that gets people worried about has been all the SIM swapping activity where someone goes in and somehow gets access to your phone. I think there was just a headline that 
maybe Kroll's database from FTX just got hacked. And so now there's all this fear about identification hacking. So when a SIM swap, Mm -hmm. is it vulnerable to being hacked? No, because the way that SIM swaps really get you is when, let's say you've got some money stored on an exchange account and the 2FA for that exchange account is a text message going to your phone number. If somebody gets access to your phone number via a SIM swap, then that's game over because they log into your account, they've SIM swapped you, they get the 2FA text, and then they just log in and they have access to your assets. This is something that people don't really think about. By the way, when they think about exchange security overall, they're always like, oh, well, the exchange has been around long enough. Their cold storage isn't going to get hacked. So I think they're probably better at holding these keys than I am. And what they don't realize is their account is actually the point of failure much more often than the exchange's security setup itself. So anyway, that's how a SIM swap would get you with an exchange. Well, with Casa, your funds, your mobile key is actually stored in the secure element of your actual phone. Your phone number really doesn't touch that at all. Somebody would need physical access to your phone. They would need to know your pin to actually get into the phone and access the secure element, which is blocked off by a bunch of stuff by Apple or by Google. And then they would also need to know the CASA account login details because of the way we've set things up where you can only actually use that key from within the CASA environment. Let's say they managed to do all of that. Then that mobile key is still only one key that they need to move funds. They still got to go find your hardware wallet or multiple hardware wallets of yours and access those to approve a transaction. And so it's just layers on layers of security that become more important depending on the amount of assets that you're securing. So when you're doing something that's really simple, you bought a little bit of Bitcoin, a hundred bucks of Bitcoin, fine, leave that on the exchange or put it in your mobile wallet. That's a single key mobile wallet. If you're not worried about losing it, it's really not a big deal. When you start to get into meaningful amounts of money, that's when you want to think about the layers of security and how you manage your security overall. During the FTX blow up and then all the concerns about the exchanges, I got a lot of phone calls from finance types Mm -hmm. who had a decent chunk and were all afraid of having their money on any exchange. And they all wanted to figure out what's a hard wallet? How do I get this off of there? But a new problem then started to arise. And I'm curious about how you balance security and access where people move stuff to hard wallets. And then the second phone call was, okay, how do I get my tax losses? I want to go trade some tokens. So how do you think about the benefit of security and having a safe version? I have my Casa vault. I'm not worried about it. And the usability of being able to say, okay, I want to trade some tokens or move money around. The more secure you get, it is by nature harder to move money. And so the way that we generally recommend that people approach this is to have different buckets along the continuum of security and convenience. You've got some stash that you maybe have held for a really long time. You're not going to be tax loss harvesting that. You're not really trading it around. This is your long-term investment. Put that in the most secure thing possible in a way that it's very difficult to move because you don't care. You're just holding on to that Bitcoin or whatever it is for a long period of time. And then 
you have your medium security level stuff. And this is the things that you don't expect to be moving all the time, but you might need to tax loss harvest this. You might want to trade it at some point in a larger trade. It's a decent chunk of money still, but not the huge amount that you would put in your super high security vault. And then you've got the stuff that's your smallest amount actively trading with this. And this is more of your speculative pot, basically. That can go either stay on the exchange or it can even just stay in a single key mobile wallet on your phone. With Casa, we recognize that this continuum exists. We've actually built for this continuum in the product. So you can have all within Casa a really simple mobile wallet that only has one key, a three key vault that is effectively the same from a convenience perspective as having one hardware wallet. And then you've got the five key vault, which is high security, very hard to move things out of, but really meant for long-term holdings. Putting that all into one product gives people the ability to make their own decisions around this convenience and security trade-offs. And that's the whole point. With this whole idea of crypto and self-sovereignty, the whole point is you know what's best for how you want to manage your money and your assets. And so we empower you with the tools to do that. We make some suggestions about how to do it well. From there, it's up to you and, and you get to make those decisions. It matters a lot for people, whether you're in the United States or you're outside the US or you've ever had something happen where you've had lost access to a bank account. I think as Americans, we'll take for granted sometimes the security. Mm -hmm. you, know, you mentioned a banking scare suddenly gets everyone thinking about, okay, where's my money? Do I have access to it or not? When people come to Casa, I'm curious, is it spike after there's a moment of fear where there's a lot of hacking and now some people think about this or what brings this top of mind for customers? We certainly see spikes around moments of fear because for better or worse, this tends to be something that is on people's list of things that I know I need to do, but haven't done yet. Sometimes people need the extra push in the form of the banking system melting down for a weekend to go and set up self-custody and make sure that they have a secure place to put some of their assets. I think that as it gets easier to use self-custody and private keys over time, which is something that we're super focused on, it becomes less of a hurdle for people in terms of activation energy, essentially, to say, today's the day that I'm going to make sure I have the right setup for holding my keys. We definitely see spikes around events like that. And we also see spikes when the price moves a lot because people realize, oh, crap, suddenly I'm protecting double the amount of value in Bitcoin than I was two months ago. I need to figure out how I'm securing this for me and for my family. And that tends to nudge more people a little bit faster to get this done. But overall, it's something that is really worth thinking about ahead of those points, because you don't want to be in that situation where you're scrambling super high anxiety, not sure what's going on, and trying to figure out something like this that is really important to do right. And you're trying to figure that out in a very short period of time when everybody else is freaking out as well. That's a recommendation from us to everybody. Take the time to think about this, particularly if you're storing a decent amount of assets and it's worthwhile to get that done sooner rather than later. 
I love your point that it's one of those things that's on people's lists that they want to do. I know that people listening, my friends, when we talk about this, it's something I'll reference because it definitely was on my list for too long if I should figure mm-hmm. this out. It's just like, I don't know where to start. It's stressing me out. I'd rather not think about it. But then you have that heart-stopping moment where you see a tweet or someone tells you, hey, this thing got hacked. And suddenly, specifically for me on Ethereum, you're revoking stuff. You're trying to be like, oh, please, please, like I hope right. nothing happened. Tomorrow's the day I'm going to do this. It goes back on the list. Right. One of the things that we do that I think really helps people here is we've got a whole team that will actually get on video calls with our clients and help them walk through all this setup stuff so that instead of spending an entire Saturday or more trying to set up hardware wallets and figure out how this stuff works, you're spending an hour on the phone with our team and they're telling you exactly what to do, what buttons to click, everything like that inside Ledger's interface, inside Trezor's interface. And then they're helping you connect it to Casa, which is very easy to do once you actually have the hardware wallet set up. It just accelerates the process significantly. So for the people who don't want to worry about this stuff and don't want to figure out whether they're setting up their hardware wallet right, that is a real help. I was on the phone and it was very easy to have someone set it up for me. Again, it is a daunting first step to realize it's important and you should get it mm-hmm. done. That got me to the point of being a bigger user of Ethereum, holding Bitcoin. But for a while, this was Bitcoin and now you've added Ethereum. How has that transition been for the people that just consider them, I own Bitcoin or Ethereum, I just own cryptocurrencies. I know as a company, that wasn't necessarily an easy thing to just add another token. How did you think about the security mm-hmm. between the two? The way that we think about it overall is we want it to be as simple as possible and wherever possible, it should feel essentially the same. That's pretty hard to do between Bitcoin and Ethereum because they work really differently. One of the decisions that we made from a product design perspective is basically wherever possible, they should feel the same, but not to the detriment of security or capability of the individual assets. Because Bitcoin and Ethereum are very different assets. They let you do very different things. And it doesn't make sense for us as a product to essentially hamstring that by trying to make them work exactly the same within the app. That's the approach that we took as we were designing the feature. And then making the transition, it was a lot of work. Going from just supporting Bitcoin, which we did for the first few years of Casa's existence, to supporting Bitcoin and Ethereum, and then soon all the assets that run on top of Ethereum, that's something that is a pretty big change. And so it took us a year, essentially, of development time to do that. And we came out the other end with a really good product. It's one of the best ways, in my highly biased opinion, to use Ethereum multisig. We were able to stand on the shoulders of giants with this. We built on top of the safe smart contract. And the safe team has done a really good job with building out the Ethereum multisig smart contract that we've basically built on top of that to try and make it the easiest experience possible and also let you have things like Casa holding a key for you and having a Casa interface that you can secure Bitcoin and Ether in the same app in basically the same way, which is really the only 
place in our entire industry that you can actually secure both of those in a multi-key vault in one product. So super proud of what we've done there. And we're maybe less well-known in the Ethereum community than we have been in the Bitcoin community, but we've been talking to more people from the Ethereum community as they sign up and use the product and really enjoying getting to know that side of our industry. And we're excited to be serving that group of people now. It's interesting how different of a world it is. It does feel to me when I talk to people, there's a greater population of OG Bitcoin people and people that own Bitcoin on an exchange and don't think about it. And then Ethereum was a world of NFTs and DeFi and people trying stuff and ending up in situations like, oh, now I need to worry about security. I'm really excited that you guys have released it. So as of right now, you can hold Ethereum. Can you hold NFTs or other things on Ethereum? Actually, this is a little bit of a nuanced answer. Technically, yes, you can, because it's all running on top of the safe smart contract. And so if you send an NFT to your Ethereum vault inside Casa, it will be there. And it's actually accessible through the safe interface if you really want that today. But is it going to show up in Casa's app today? For the most part, no, we don't support those today. And we're working on that now. And so you'll see us come out with support for tokens soon. And then we want to hear from people about the NFT side of things and what they're looking for around what the experience should be there, because it's a little bit different than storing the money side. And so we want to make sure we get that right. Not quite yet on full support for all the assets running on top of Ethereum. We just launched Ethereum support a little under two months ago. And from the way that we approach things is we really want to make sure that when we put out something new, it's very easy to use, very well designed. We take our time on things where it makes sense to do so. I can tell there's a tremendous amount of demand for this. On the NFT and other tokens, is that a product user interface decision or are there actually security risks or differences as you add other assets? Once you have the Ethereum network supported with the way that the safe contract is set up, it's actually mostly just a product user interface question. The security element is pretty much the same, whether you're interacting with Ether or stable coins or an NFT. There are some other things I think that you start to get into as you start to interact with smart contracts more that maybe you have to be more careful around with some of your assets. And I know on the NFT side of things, you're interacting with smart contracts a lot in order to authenticate that you hold an NFT, for example, in order to do a thing or get into some event or whatever it is. At the core, the security model is the same. And it's really about how do we build the experience in a way that makes sense for people and is usable and feels great and something that they want to be using to secure their assets. I know that some of this is out of your control. This is the Ethereum network or how it works, but I'm curious your views on just when people sign contracts. I think that when people think they got hacked, they just assume someone stole their money and just drained their wallets. But usually, at least on the Ethereum side, I see more of this type of behavior is Someone posts a link, they think it's something, they're actually signed or they've signed at some point. What do you think the future looks like for that type of security where, okay, I get the vision that I might cost a wallet, I've got my short away money, I have my semi moving around money, and then I have my speculation account. But I want 
my cake and eat it too of this idea of I want to move around and do stuff, but I also want to have safety and security. Is there only so much CASA can do or things that Ethereum needs to do to make that world a better place? So I think that where we are at right now in terms of tooling around understanding smart contracts and making that really simple for somebody to know what they're signing and what they're approving so that they don't get drained by a malicious contract. Where we're at today, it's still pretty difficult to do well. And this is an area that really needs improvement from both an infrastructure perspective and a user experience perspective, because nobody wants to sit there and read a page of smart contract detail when they're trying to hurry up and do this thing with their NFT of whatever they're trying to do. How does this get better? I think it gets better through some better tooling that is faster at keeping up with the smart contracts that are out there and recognizing malicious ones to just block people from even interacting with malicious contracts. I think it gets better as things like account abstraction come around where smart contract wallets on Ethereum can be actually native first-class citizens as wallets in Ethereum, which they really aren't today. Some of those pieces are being worked on by different teams. And I think that then that will put the pieces in place that allow teams like Casa to build great user experiences around using these assets and interacting with these systems. So we're a little ways off from that. So how do you handle it today? Today, the advice is to make sure that your most valuable stuff is in a secure vault that you're not connecting to a bunch of different things. And then your wallet that you want to be using to connect to a bunch of different contracts and experimenting with things and out there being a degen, that should hold only the things that you're willing to lose. You manage it that way while we work towards that future of having your cake and eating it too. I want to talk more philosophically about this idea of self-custody, not your keys, not your coins, and, and people get pretty passionate about this idea. And your take on the industry at large of people's desire in crypto to have self-sovereignty to self-custody and the ability for mass adoption or for many people to use it. I think some people think these are in direct conflict with one another, that it can be too hard for people. And I know this is a problem you're working on, but I'm curious your view of that long-term as the industry continues to evolve. Yeah, this is the age-old question of will Casa build a successful company or not? And it comes down to whether we figure out how to successfully make it easy enough for anybody who wants to, to adopt self-custody and holding their own keys. I think it's a thing that we're always working on. But the way that I think about it philosophically is in the earliest human history, you go back a long time, people would self-custody because banks didn't exist. They would hold gold coins or whatever it was themselves. But that was a huge pain because it took up space. It was heavy. Somebody could walk in and steal it. So then banks get invented and people start storing their their coins with banks because that's way more convenient. And you can just make a note on the bank's ledger in order to actually transfer funds from one account to another, not even worry about actually bringing a bag of gold around. That's how banks get started. And then over time, money's always been this physical thing. It turned into paper money with cash. Fine. You still don't want to have a bunch of cash sitting around your house. It's a pain. And so when you think about self-custody today in crypto with Bitcoin and Ether, 
it is easier than it has ever been in the history of the world for people to secure their own money and to have that option where they are their own bank and they only have to trust that they will do a good job of securing their money. And that is a big deal. All you need is a thumb drive today or your phone to secure millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of assets. And so when you pair that with the fact that we have seen the failures of the traditional financial system and the banking system within the last year, and then go back 10 years during the great financial crisis, we've seen these things happen. And we know that bank runs and bank problems happen repeatedly throughout history. So people should have the fundamental right to self-custody their assets. And it's really important that we help them do that in a safe way. And that's even just looking at it from the United States perspective. When you start to get into other countries where the banking system is not as well developed, this becomes even more of just a no-brainer for people. That is how I think about it philosophically. And then when you start to think about, okay, that's all great, Nick, but I don't know how to use this ledger sitting on my desk. And it's been sitting on my desk for a year and I still haven't done it because I can't figure it out. That I think is a real problem when people want to do this thing. They understand philosophically why it's important for them to have this as a backup to their normal bank account or even as a primary to their normal bank account over time. But it's still just too hard to use. And I think we do have to get to a point where we have made self-custody simple enough and approachable enough, designed it in the right way that anybody can pick it up and get started and figure out how to use it over time. Overall, it is an incredibly important advancement for human civilization to be able to put this control and power into people's hands. And now it's on us as a company, on us as an industry to build the tools that make that easy for them to do. When you get new customers, so it's on their to-do list, they finally pick up the phone or go on the app and start the process. What are some of the greatest resistance that they had before that happens, in your opinion? Typically, it's a lot of anxiety around, am I going to mess this up? And it's a lot of laziness. And I say that in the nicest way possible. Everybody has their main thing that they're focused on. And then the goal as a human is to make everything else work with as little effort as possible. It's that combination between anxiety and laziness that keeps people from getting this set up. And then something bad happens and you get this activation energy pushed above that threshold to where they're like, I got to fix this right now. That happens every so often. Most of our customers come to us after they just get to a point of saying, okay, I feel like I understand the reason why this is important well enough. And I feel like I understand CASA and want to work with CASA to get this done in a way that it's time for me to sign up and become a CASA customer and get over that threshold and start holding my own keys. Those are the two major things are what we're working against. And as we make the product easier to use, it requires less and less energy to get over those two things. And on the Ethereum Bitcoin point you were making of beating the Ethereum community, is there anything that you notice different amongst the two as they think about security? I think the biggest thing is just 
people from the Ethereum community are asking the question that you asked earlier a lot more, which is, what if I want to move my assets or use my assets? How do I structure this in a way that makes it easy for me to do that? Whereas maybe our Bitcoin community is going to keep most of their funds in a five key vault that they're holding as digital gold for a long time. That's totally fine. And that's why they use Casa because that makes that super secure and very resilient. For the Ethereum community, we're expecting that more people will use the full range of security levels inside Casa, where they're going to have some in their mobile wallet, they're going to have some in their super high security vault, a product guy. And so from a product perspective, I'm really excited to see people change how they use our product based on what their needs are with this whole new set of people that are coming to Casa. That's my desire is that you want to have it safe and use it at the same time and balance the trade-offs. From a security side, when you think about it, if everyone's got this anxiety, you're taking it on your own shoulders. And now in some ways, you're responsible for building this framework. How do you think about the education of end users to understand a three versus five wallet system? Is that part of the process of becoming a Casa customer is just getting a better understanding of the power? Or is it more of, I can just hand this over to Casa, I can trust them, they show me how to use the app and leave it there? It's really a mix of both. We believe education is an important part of this whole thing. You kind of want to understand why you are doing this thing and how it works when you are holding your own keys. And we think that's a special and fun part of this for a lot of people that are doing this right now. At the same time, we really believe that a well-designed product does not have to explain every single thing it does to you. It should just work. And so that's where we come in with some creative thinking that I've never really seen anywhere else around guiding people only when they need to know about something. So as an example, let's say you've got a three key vault set up and you've also got your mobile wallet within the Casa app that's just on your phone and you're holding $10,000 worth of Ether in that mobile wallet. We'll send you a notification that says, hey, you are probably holding too many assets in this wallet, and you should consider moving some of them to your three-key vault in order to improve the security of these assets. And that's something that we didn't make them think about ahead of time. Am I putting too much in this mobile wallet, or how much do I want to put into this one or that one? We just said, when we know that we recommend you moving some of this stuff to a more secure location, we're telling you to do that and giving you the path to do it. Those are the two angles that we take. Give the education for the people that want it. For the people that don't, they can trust us to tell them what to do as much as possible when they need to know it. I feel like it's a great balance and it reminds me of when people either they get married or they have kids, they want to set up a will and take care of stuff. That's one of those things Mm -hmm. that's on their list. And then as soon as it's done, you just have this great sense of relief. You just feel a little bit better. It's something that you've wanted to have handled that's now taken care of the right way by people that think about this every single day. Yeah, and I've heard people compare it to the will and estate planning stuff, which we actually do help people with around their crypto. And then I've also heard people compare it to life insurance You really don't usually think about getting life insurance until you have a kid. And then it's just a trigger of now is the time to get life insurance. 
That's something that's interesting for us to think about probably as a business around what are the times, aside from the external events of an exchange melting down, what are the times that people really decide, hey, now's time for me to start holding my own keys and how can we help them in that moment? It's something interesting for us to consider. For the pure Ethereum side, I think on Bitcoin coming into it, I knew there were wallets or things that I could get. Friends had devices or collected them over the years. And Ethereum was always hot wallet and a hard wallet or a cold wallet. There really wasn't this option for user-guided or assisted versions of a higher security system, which is why I'm excited about (laughs) it, because I think it just allows people a third option that will help them put this all together in a way that I think the more people that just learn about it, the more people are going to be like, okay, if it's that easy, I'll give it a try and get it off my to-do list. And the thing that we hear over and over again when people actually get set up with Casa is, wow, that was easier than I thought it would be. And I wish I'd done this sooner. (laughs) We're always like, yeah, well, you've done it now. So we're happy to have you. It's a repeated sentiment from people. And I think it just goes to how well our team, especially on the client service team that helps people get set up in a pretty straightforward way. No, that's a great point and probably a great place to end. Nick, what are you most excited to build over the next six months? I don't know if it's extending this. And then I'm excited to hear what you are looking to build over the next six years. So in the next six months, I would say we are thinking really hard about how to serve our two communities and Bitcoin and Ethereum communities well. What are the features that people need? A big piece of that is estate planning. So this is a really unsolved problem in crypto where if you're holding your own keys, you have a problem if you pass away, if you haven't set things up properly ahead of time, because if your heirs or your estate's executor doesn't have access to those keys, all that money just goes away. Going back to the $100 bill you lost on the streets of New York, it's that, but times a lot. We're trying to solve that problem by giving people a really straightforward way that uses some of the principles of having multiple keys to protect your funds to make it easier for you to pass on your assets if you pass away, but not put you in a position where your assets could be stolen before you pass away. And so that's a product that we have today. And we're really focusing on, okay, we've got something great in place today. How do we make that even better? Because we currently only offer it to our top plan. And so the people who are CASA private clients have access to this but everybody else doesn't. And we know it's a problem for everybody else. So we want to see how can we bring this as something that anybody can have as a CASA member. So that's one of the things that we're really focused on in the next six months. As far as the next six years, this is potentially a decade, but we really believe that private keys are a huge change in terms of putting control into individuals' hands over the things that matter most to them. We saw how this was possible with Bitcoin getting invented and then growing into all the other crypto assets that you can store today. But private keys also secure your communication when you are communicating over signal end-to-end encrypted communication that uses a private key. Private keys could be used to make your online identity significantly more secure. So no more worrying about people creating a fake account that looks like your account. 
there should be a private key backing that that actually is unique, unguessable, unforgeable, and very easily verifiable that you are you. Finally, private key should be why do you have a username and password to log into a website when you could use a private key to authenticate yourself? And that's a significantly better both user experience and security experience overall. And so that's really what we see. We see this world where people are using keys to have better security, better user experiences, better control over the things that matter most to them in their digital lives. And Casa is the place where they are storing and using all those keys. The reason I say that might be a decade instead of six years is it requires a ton of pieces to get put in place, not just at Casa, but overall in terms of using cryptography across the internet to give people a better experience and to build the infrastructure that will enable people to use private keys so much. And so that's a thing that we are helping to build a piece of that and hoping to drive the overall building of that in a lot of different ways too. That's what we're really excited about. Nick, thank you very much for doing this today. Hopefully it inspires some people to take it off their to-do list and take care of the security for their assets. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Eric. I appreciate you having me on. To find more episodes of Breakdowns or to sign up for our weekly summary, check out joincolossus.com. That's J-O-I-N-C-O-L-O-S-S-U-S dot com. 